This is Series 3, Episode 7 of Encounter Points. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of our Encounter Points series, uh, which we call Love Always Communicates. My name's Bill Schmidt, and I'm privileged, as always, to be on the other side of the microphone from a wonderful, esteemed co-host, Ken Hellenius. Hello, Ken. It's a pleasure to be with you, Bill. Likewise. Entire, the, the pleasure, honestly, is entirely on this side of the microphone. Is that right? Yes. Well, you're reading my mind that I, I, I think you're, but I think you're misreading it in this case. There's oh. lots of pleasure uh, there, uh, right here. You know, here. there's pleasure right to be here. had. You know, there's pleasure to be had. Use the passive tense. That's right. That's yes, right. fair exactly. enough. Yeah, mistakes were made, but not in this case. That's right. Yes. Exactly. I had uh, one of the wonderful things about uh, this series is that we get to go exploring in documents and history and traditions where Indeed, uh, mistakes were not made, and a lot of <laughs> truth was shed. Uh, and that helps us in uh, a great project of our day, which is to bring Catholic and Christian values and wisdom into the field of communication. And uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, so am I, because, you know, as you just mentioned there, you know, we've been reading through documents. We, you know, went back to the Second Vatican Council and kind of have moved forward because that's the kind of the touchstone point of the 20th century for, uh, uh, and then moving forward now into our 21st century of kind of the church's understanding of communications and, and responsibilities and the rights and, and what, uh, what needs to go into both the production as well as the consumption mm-hmm. of uh, of media and of, of the means of social communications. Right. Um, but one of the neat things is that we don't have to go just into documents, just into right. what can often seem to be theoretical statements or, or directives, but there's also the lived experience of the art of communications. Yes. And I think tonight and, and certainly uh, – in our next show, we're going to be talking about people that have done this, uh, people who have been practitioners of the communications arts um, effectively. And um, so we thought, what better way to begin than to discuss the Catholic patron of journalists and writers, mm-hmm. and that is uh, the great St. Francis de Sales, uh, Doctor of the Church. Yes, yes. A great role model for communicators and really an, an amazing person that uh, I have, I've only late in my life and spiritual growth I started to learn about. I find him to be uh, quite an inspiration. And uh, we have uh, one major uh, book that I know about from from him that offers a lot of guidance on communication and for the uh, the contemporary project of restoring communication in a socially polarized world. And that book of his is called Introduction to the Devout Life. 
And what a book it is. It's really uh, just um, very integrated in terms of what I guess today we would call um, contemplation and action, you know, action in contemplation or contemplation in action. Yeah. Is it a bifurcation? No, it's <laughs> seamlessly seamlessly connected. Uh, and this was one of the early books, I think, that uh, that pointed that out. And what, what makes him a great patron of journalism and uh, communication is that uh, he was a very prolific writer uh, of books and pamphlets and broadsheets and uh, just plain old correspondence to lay people very, very broadly um, and uh, bringing this message of, uh, you know, a devout life in no way being separate from a public life, an engaged community life, but rather the two go together. He was uh, teaching people. And I just thought uh, when I read uh, read that, that, uh, boy, that was advanced Catholic wisdom of the time, because once again, there was so much bifurcation going on where you were either, you know, in the monastery or, or uh, you know, uh, just a secular uh, civilian, as it were. Sure. Well, I think we should contextualize this. So mm -hmm. uh, Francis de Sales was actually born a nobleman right. uh, in, in France. His uh, father was Lord of Boisy, Sale, and Novelle in, mm. uh, in France. So he was actually a minor, minor nobility. Mm -hmm. His son, Francois ben Bonaventure, uh, or uh, Francois Bonaventura, Bonaventura right. exactly, mm -hmm. named after two great Franciscan saints. Right. So, and he was the firstborn son of the family. So Francis was actually going to be the kind of the heir to the family. Uh, and uh, his father wanted him to go on and become a magistrate. So he sent him to the best schools, uh, including uh, sent him to Paris. He was born, by the way, We I guess we should also continue to contextualize this. Born in 1567 mm -hmm. uh, in, in France. Uh, and uh, so he went to the best schools in Paris, Jesuit uh, school, the College of Claremont. And then after there, he went to uh, study at the University of Padua, huh. uh, where he took uh, higher degrees, including doctorates in law and theology. In the meantime, though, he had, so this was, of course, 1567 is the Protestant Reformation has already begun. And there are great debates. I mean, this is kind of a, you know, this is in the ferment of the age. Uh, it was an age of faith, but it was an age of, of a, a splitting faith. So when you talk about there being a bifurcation or a, a great sense of polarization, it couldn't have been any more true, especially mm. in in Europe, as the Protestant Reformation and the Catholic Counter-Reformation were, were both taking place. Yes, yeah. So he was a voice for reintegration of uh, faith and uh, daily uh, civil or civic life, uh, which uh, before the Reformation was kind of combined, you know, the, the, the faith life and the civil life or the religious uh, realm of governance and the civil realm of governance. Integralism, we would call that. Integralism, these days, right? yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, yep, and he was bringing it he was seeking to bring it back together in the specific context of true devotion to the Lord, not uh, to 
our Lord in in heaven, not to any particular right, Lord, Lord uh, who right might here, be like a, a, in, in governance uh, right, on earth. Right. Yeah. There's an interesting story told uh, that while he was a, a young man, he attended a theological discussion about the concept of predestination. So Calvinism is very much kind of focused on predestination is a, right. is a, is a key part of this. And he grew despairing of his own salvation. And this affected him for about two years, uh, in which he really, like it even got him physically sick, mm. the idea that he may not be predestined to heaven. And he experienced a, a moment of grace and a reconversion in which he, uh, the, it's said that he went to the parish church of St. Etienne de Grey in Paris, so Stephen of, uh, Stephen de Grey of Paris, where he prayed the prayer, the Memorare, before a, a statue of Our Lady, a, a dark, a, what's called a Black Madonna. Right. Uh, Our Lady of Good Deliverance huh. statue. Now, I love this story because this idea of him praying the Memorare, which is a prayer that I love to pray. You know, it's remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Hmm. I pray this prayer regularly as part of my ongoing devotions with a specific intention that I attach to that, asking Our Lady for her intercession as well. So I love the fact that St. Francis de Sales, this this was a key prayer for his conversion, Hmm. uh, his reconversion and recommitment to the faith. Hmm. So I I love that portion of the story. Gee, that's marvelous. And not long after this, so this was in uh, about 1587. He experienced this reconversion. In 1592, he received his doctor, doctorate at uh, the uh, the University of Padua. And then um, he actually returned then to his hometown where he became a lawyer. But he had made a vow at his reconversion to remain celibate and had become a minor member of the, uh, he was a third order member of the, the Minims, which was a group at the time. I don't know a lot about the Minims, so I'm going to have to confess oh. that. But, but uh, when he got home, his dad had picked out a, a young woman for him to marry, and, but he remained true to his personal private vow. And he actually then got to know the Bishop of Geneva, because so Geneva, which is where John Calvin was, ah. uh, the Catholic Bishop of Geneva was not able to be in Geneva because the Calvinists ran Ooh. the city of Geneva. And so he was in exile. And uh, Francis de Sales got to know the Bishop of Geneva, who ordained him as a priest in 1593. And uh, then he was appointed to the cathedral chapter for the bishop in exile. He went on to become a teacher uh, and actually got sent to be a missionary where he then began to interact with the people of Geneva uh, as a missionary, as an evangelist for the Catholic faith. Mm. And this actually is precisely why he began to be and is known as a journalist and a, and a patron of writers, because he himself was writing, uh, you know, broadsheets, writing, you know, what we would think of as essays and, and things uh, in defense of the Catholic faith to invite his interlocutors to consider the Catholic faith. And but he was noted for doing so with pure charity, pure yes. love, and not you know as one who argues, but one who loves someone into the faith. Yes, yes. 
And that is a good inspiration for uh, journalism and for mass communication today. He combined the mass media of the age, which was uh, book publishing, etc., enjoying the power of the press to reach people everywhere, including in Geneva, presumably, and everywhere. But he combined that with that uh, fervor for personal correspondence and speaking with people one-on-one. And indeed, um, I, I learned in the introduction to Introduction of the Devout Life that uh, he had this kind of iconic person uh, who may or may not have existed in, in real life under the name, but uh, he called her Philo- Philothea, Philothea, which God is lover. God lover. Yeah. And so uh, the, the act of corresponding <clears throat> one-on-one, therefore with very good kindness yeah. and a real sense of empathy – was a way of informing his broader mass media activities, something that I would say is probably needed today by journalists and by those who uh, make their world the mass media because today's mass media seems so separated from the more empathetic, kind, and... Catholic social teaching driven world of personal communication, local community communication, what Pope Francis has uh, added to that, which is commu- a sense of communion as well as community. So uh, the sales has a lot of great things to to teach us about that integrated world of communication. Yeah, yeah. You know, you talk about this in, you know, kind of personal correspondence and stuff. I mean, he was known as a great spiritual director as well. And he made great friendship with uh, a young noblewoman, Jane Frances de Chantal, ah. who, who became uh, the mother superior of a community of, of sisters, the Visitation Sisters. And he provided great spiritual direction to her, and they are linked, really, in in uh, history and in, in devotion within the church. St. Jane Francis de Chantal and uh, Francis de Sales were buried near one another oh in a visitation community. Um, and uh, so, by the way, Francis de Sales ended up becoming a bishop, the bishop of Geneva. He mm-hmm. succeeded the bishop that had, uh, had ordained him, and uh, he was very well uh, liked. By, but again, he was still in exile. Yeah. Um, from from Geneva, yeah. um, but his motto was "One who preaches with he who preaches with love preaches effectively." Isn't that beautiful? You know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and you know, we we chose the title for our series here, uh, "Love Always Communicates," from uh, a message by Pope Francis. But it it was occurring to me as I read over some some of the book that uh, that idea of love always communicates could surely be traced right back to Francis de Sales uh, because, in fact, it, that was kind of how uh, he described the devout life, that, uh, it, that it comprises uh, experiencing God's profound love and then responding with, uh, there's a, a quote from the book, Responding with ardor and readiness 
in performing charitable actions. So the devout life is indeed something that is not just, uh, you know, pious uh, private prayer, but is very much uh, outward focused. Uh, you can't really experience devout love uh, with the Lord in that relationship without wanting to go forth and build relationship with others in that very same spirit. So that's the essence of love always communicates. So I say Pope Francis and Francis de Sales are blood brothers or spiritual brothers, even though, remember, when Pope Francis uh, first took the name, everybody was speculating, which Francis does he mean? Yeah. 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 So he could be a, n- a number of Francis's. Yeah. Francai, I think. In the Francai, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we mentioned at the top that he is patron of writers and journalists. Yeah. So I got to know Francis de Sales through the Catholic Press Association in the United States. I'm a, an affiliate member. And every year they award the Francis de Sales Award for Outstanding Contribution to Catholic Journalism. And it's the highest award that the uh, CPA uh, presents to an individual for, as they say, Outstanding Contributions to Catholic Journalism. And members of the Catholic Press Association uh, are asked to nominate people who throughout their career or even just in the preceding year, uh, performed with excellence and contributed to raising the professional standards of Catholic journalism. And so this is truly what a patron is supposed to be, right? Yeah, a patron right. is yeah. supposed to be someone that inspires us to to do better at what we do, as well as who intercedes for us. And so to have St. Francis de Sales as the patron of Catholic journalism uh, in the United States and, and throughout the world, uh, I think is a, is a wonderful sign to us that uh, we have great friends in heaven among the communion of saints, people who have practiced the arts of social communication right. in a way that should inspire us to want to do well as well. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And not only, uh, well, as one of his functions as a patron is to provide us with uh, long-term uh, enduring lessons uh, in the nature of a, of a good uh, role model. And uh, I had found, especially in chapters 26 through 30 of, of his book, uh, some, some lessons that I, I jotted down in the process of uh, writing a, uh, a blog post uh, about him as a journalistic role model. Uh, one I, I noted down was that uh, first uh, we should let God's love remove our own fear of speaking up, and that if you if you're feeling that devout life of relationship with the Lord. It's going to be a source of courage. And so that, too, is an inspiration and a source of uh, patronal uh, uh, strengthening. And uh, he can, uh, Francis de Sales can provide inspiration and practical wisdom about what uh, devout communication is. Namely, it's not distracted like today's communication. It's not disruptive or pro forma or governed purely by simplistic thinking about people or snap judgments about people, 
remember in the spirit of that correspondence that he loved to conduct with individuals, uh, he's teaching us that our communication with people really has to be focused on not only God's love for us, which we're experiencing, but the knowledge that God loves all of these other people equally with that same fervor, and hence we're called to to do the same. Yeah. That's awesome. Any other thoughts from uh, from the good saint? Mm, just uh, that ultimately communication is personal, just as love is always communicating, and communicating has to be love-driven. Uh, I think that it, it's just instructional for our day that this is one of the saints and one among numerous who can teach us about the um, the uh, meaning of communication, which is a search for truth, which is a potentially sacred act because we're searching for uh, the Lord who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so it's natural for us to look to saints as role models in what is really a profound act if we conduct it rightly and in the right spirit, namely the good, solid communication that really must uh, topple the trend of today toward social polarization. Amen. Well, I'm going to go get my copy out and start reading cover to cover. Uh, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Don't just read the introduction to the introduction. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's chat. You can subscribe to hear future episodes at our website, EncounterPoints.com. Our theme music is Leaves by Airtone, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We hope to encounter you in the next episode of Encounter Points. Bye.